It's 2019. A long line of people are standing on top of about two feet of ice on Lake Michigan. And they're waiting. Eventually, Arlene Chapinski and her husband are brought to the front of the line. And then they took us to the tent, and you, they lifted the flap, and we went in there. And you looked down there, and the water was very, very clear. It looked like only a foot or two under the water, but it's probably, what, 12 or 15 feet? You know, it just seemed like it was right there, though. It is a crucifix laying on the bottom of the lake bed, and it's actually about 20 feet down. The cross itself is long, 11 feet, and Jesus Christ is life-sized. It's cut from white Italian marble. Arlene says, standing there, looking down at the crucifix, it kind of felt like church. With the waves, the ripples on the cross, it was just very surreal, very peaceful. Arlene and her husband say a prayer, and then they leave the tent, walking back across the ice to the shore of Petoskey, Michigan. This underwater crucifix is one of only a few in the world. When the ice is thick enough in winter, a group organizes a viewing. Arlene was there because more than a decade earlier, a mystery had been solved. And it was a mystery that mattered to her family. This is Points North, a show about the land, water, and inhabitants of the Great Lakes. I'm Dan Wanshura. Today, producer Morgan Springer is going to bring us the origin story of a European crucifix in Lake Michigan. That's coming up right after this. Support for Points North comes from Cherry Republic, celebrating northern Michigan's tart cherries with products like jams, barbecue sauces, chocolate-covered cherries, and more. Online at cherryrepublic.com. And Aspire North Realtors, bringing real estate professionals together, supporting their involvement in the community, and advocating for the industry in a sustainable way. Online at AspireNorthRealtors.com. This is the story of the underwater crucifix and that mystery. And this is the man who cared enough to solve it. My name is Dennis Jessick. I live in Harbor Springs, Michigan. Dennis goes by Denny. He's a diver. In the 70s, he dove and saw the crucifix for the first time. He saw it many times over the years. Then, in 1986, Denny got the idea of a winter viewing, and he and a group of volunteers organized the first event. More than 300 people came. And they kept doing it. Whenever the ice was thick enough, people would come to commemorate those who died at sea. But for years, something kept bothering Denny. No one knew exactly why the crucifix had been made in the first place. There was a rumor that it was originally for a teenager who died in a car accident. For some reason, Denny doubted that rumor. Nobody chose to go forward, and I could have been just like them and allow history to pass on and allow uh, false information to be delivered, but that was just not going to be my forte. So I decided, whatever it takes... I'm going to hunt this down. Part of the reason Denny cared so much is because the crucifix has a personal significance for him. For the past 45 years, he's been a sergeant for the local county sheriff's Marine and Snowmobile Division. We do search and rescue missions, body recovery, evidence recovery. And have you been in situations in in your professional capacity where you have, have found people who have died in the water? Approximately 18. Wow. So when I look at the crucifix, I'm thinking of all the people 
in the world, and it's fair to say that, that have perished in some water-related item. And we are put into a almost out-of-body experience of seeing before us that closure. And that stays with you. You never really forget that. Denny started hunting for the origin of this crucifix in the early 2000s. The rumor about the boy was his clue. Part of the rumor was the teen died in Bad Axe, Michigan. So Denny and his wife got in the car and drove nearly four hours there. First, they talked to a local historian. He suggested they talk to a priest. So they went over to the Catholic Church in Bad Axe, and there they found something. We did, in the death records, locate a young man of 17 years of age that died in a car accident. The accident happened in the late 50s, around the time they were looking for, and the boy's name was Gerald Tulaski. It seemed promising. Now, another part of the rumor was that the boy was buried near a crucifix, just like the one underwater in Lake Michigan. So Denny asked if this Gerald Tulaski had a gravesite there. And he said, no, that name is not here in our cemetery, but I suggest you go to Rapson, Michigan, which was about five miles away. They arrived in Rapson, and there, at the back of the cemetery, they found a small marker with the name Tulaski, but no big crucifix by it. So they wanted to see if he had family in the area. Denny and his wife asked around and were told, yeah, try the Shapinskys at the farm down the road which didn't quite make sense. It was the wrong last name, but they went anyway. I think I was coming from the barn walk into the house and this vehicle pulls in and... and uh... This is farmer Robert Chapinski. He goes by Bob. He's also married to Arlene, who you heard at the beginning of this episode. This couple pull, gets out. The couple, of course, is Denny and his wife. He asked me if I could help him with, to solve a 40-year mystery. And I didn't know this person. I said, well, I can try, you know. Denny tells Farmer Bob about the underwater crucifix, about the rumor that it was made for a young boy named Gerald Tulaski. They just found his gravesite. Well, then I told him that, well, it's not Tulaski what you're looking for. It's Chapinski, and, and you found the right place. Bob tells Denny he suspects this because after his brother Gerald died, his parents bought a crucifix to commemorate him. Bob was born after Gerald died, but this was the story he was told. It was 1956. Gerald was 15, a freshman in high school, growing up on the family farm. He went out to the field to bring a ditcher home, so he went with a tractor. There was some crows out there. He thought, well, you'll shoot some crows while he was out there. Gerald grabs his gun and takes off in the tractor across the field, till at one point... The gun started falling. And it accidentally discharged into Gerald's chest. I remember my one sister saying that my dad was on a field nearby and could see the tractor, and he sensed something was wrong, and he... um, he ran home and got in the car and, and drove out there and, you know, seen what happened. And he grabbed him, carried him into the car, and rushed him to the hospital. But, you know, he passed away. 
Gerald liked horses and hunting, reading, and playing Monopoly with his sister. His sister didn't want to be recorded for this story, but she says after Gerald died, her parents decided to order a crucifix and erect it at the Catholic church down the road. They ordered one from Italy. They were Catholic, you're Catholic. I don't think it's typical, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, for for Catholics to to get a crucifix right for a right. loved one who passes on yes. um were you around when that decision was made i can't remember now um i think that decision was made before i came around but it, it was just something they just wanted to do you know no one can remember how they ordered it or why it was from italy but records show they paid twenty five hundred dollars for it which in the early 60s was a lot of money when the crucifix arrived though it was broken. Jerry's parents weren't going to commemorate their son with a broken crucifix. So they ordered a second one with insurance money from the first. And the broken crucifix from Italy just sat there in a crate at the back of the church. About a year later, the Superior Marine Divers Club bought it for $50 in an insurance sale. They brought it up north to Petoskey, Michigan. And there, the crucifix, which weighs nearly 2,000 pounds, was lowered carefully into the clear water of Little Traverse Bay. It was 1962, six years after Gerald died. Initially, the underwater crucifix was put there to commemorate a diver who had drowned. But then the Divers Club decided to expand it to anyone who died at sea. Somewhere along the way, Gerald Chapinski's story got lost. But Denny had found it after more than 40 years of rumors and questions. Now Denny sat at the Shapinsky's kitchen table looking at a photo of Gerald. It became a very personal and a very emotional uh, moment. And I will never forget that time when I finally said to myself, I finally found you. That was a tear-jerking moment. And uh, it was momentous, absolutely incredible. That isn't the end of the story, though. After the Shapinsky's second crucifix arrived, it was erected in the cemetery at the Catholic Church in memory of Gerald. And there it stood. Until one day, less than two years later, a big storm rolled in. And in an instant, according to Gerald's sister, a lightning bolt struck the crucifix and split it. So their parents ordered another one. And today, that crucifix stands in the cemetery with the plaque in memory of Gerald Chapinski, a boy whose life was cut short. It's a pretty unique item. It is. The last time there was a viewing of the underwater crucifix was 2019. There hasn't been enough ice since. More than a thousand people came to see the memorial. Bob was there. This was his second time. Before Denny showed up at his farm, Bob didn't know where the original crucifix was. He'd heard his own rumors that it was underwater in the Upper Peninsula. Bob says seeing the crucifix in Lake Michigan took him back. Back to when my parents was alive and when he was alive and how this all came to be, you know. It makes me proud to be a Shapinsky, I guess. <laughs> They started farming with two horses, 
And uh, by the time he was done, he had a tractor with air-conditioned cab. Depending on who's looking at it, the crucifix takes on a different meaning. For Denny, it's so connected to diving and his work recovering people lost in the water. For Bob... It was for Jerry. That's who it was for. Yeah. Yeah. It's what they wanted. They wanted they wanted him to live on, you know. It's working out, I think, just the way they hoped it would. Jerry's story is likely better known because the Italian crucifix broke, because it was brought up north and put underwater, because a man named Denny Jessick was determined to figure out who it was made for. Each time there's a viewing, Denny makes sure to talk about Jerry. He says, All around us there's history that's unknown, and it will pass on with time, unless someone, like him, takes initiative and goes searching for the truth. That story comes from producer Morgan Springer. It was edited by me, Dan Wanshura. Additional editing from Peter Payette. Music by A.A. Alto, Axeltree, Blue Dot Sessions, Nuisance, and Independent Music Licensing Collective. Special thanks to Alex Childress for audio of the 2019 Crucifix viewing. He has a video of the viewing. We'll have a link to it at our website, pointsnorthpodcast.org. There you can also see incredible photos of the Crucifix, viewings, and the people in this story at our website. That's thanks to Denny Jessick and the Shapinskis. Last but not least, check out past episodes of Points North on your favorite podcast app and let us know what you think about the show. Points North is a production of Interlochen Public Radio.